You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Hello, this is Aaron the King Khalid, future K-Droyers welterweight champion. If you're into podcasts that talk about MMA and general MMA chit-chat, then Ace Podcast Nation is the one for you. Go on to YouTube, like and subscribe, and every Wednesday they do a Danny Batten fight talk show, which breaks down the cards previously to that week and future matchups following that fight show. So yeah, it's a great, great podcast. Like I said, like, subscribe and give it a listen. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show, and uh, we're back again for another episode. This is episode number 58. Uh, we're going to be talking about UFC, which is back. Uh, so we were talking about last night's uh, masterclass from uh, Max Holloway, among other things, some great fights, some good knockouts and stuff. Lots to talk about. We'll have a bit of a talk about news and stuff. Uh, but as always, you can uh, watch the video version of this show and all the other series we do, youtube.com slash Nation. Give it a subscribe, click the bell. It's the uh, most direct way to support us at the moment. And of course, you can get the audio version at all the usual uh, podcast and radio platforms. But uh, with no further ado, 
as always, joined by former Cage Warriors champion and a legend of the, uh, the UK MMA team is Mr. Daniel Bryan. How goes it, my friend? Uh, you're right, so, uh, Jack. Uh, oh, God, I'm getting all muddled up here. Cyan, uh, Jack, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, all good. Uh, what a UFC. What a UFC. Glad it's back, mate. Glad it's back. And, and of course, we have our first guest of the year, which I'm very happy to say. It's a, it's a new face as well. It is uh, Jack the Stone Mason. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, thanks a lot for having me on, Cyan and Danny. That's all good, mate. It's good. Um, we've been scouring uh, the place for, for new guests because you've had a few guys who've been on a couple of times and stuff but I wanted to get some some new faces on uh, to have a chat to so uh, we're going to have a chat to you about um, your career and, and what you're up to now and stuff like that but before we do that we're going to have a little little chat about uh, some of the latest MMA news and some of the fights which have been announced but um, the one place I want to start is uh, I don't know if you saw it, but they were, Dana White did an interview last night during the interview, but during the event, um, and basically said he met with Khabib on Friday night, um, and because he was worried that Khabib had retired out of a kind of an emotional thing because of what had happened with his father and stuff like that, uh, and Khabib's reply was he's going to be watching the main event and the co-main event of next week's uh, next Saturday's fights, and uh, he'll see what he fancies after that. He doesn't want to hold up the title and the division, which, to me, that sounded very much like he probably will fight later this year. However, in my opinion, I don't think he will fight Conor McGregor. I think he would fight Dustin Poirier if Dustin Poirier beats McGregor. And I think he would also fight... Um, who's in the other in the co-main, Dan? Is it, uh, it's Dan Hooker and someone else. Uh... Uh, uh, the guy from Bellator, isn't it? is he fighting Mike, him? Mike Chandler. Oh, Chandler, yeah. yeah. Very interested to see how that goes because I know you're a big fan, Dan, of um, uh, Mr. Chandler. But, uh, yeah. Because, uh, Dan Hooker's a difficult fight for him. Man, not easy. Just stylistically, it don't match up really uh, great. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Chandler can beat anyone on his day, but he's another guy that's... Yeah, he's another guy that's probably slightly going over the hill regards you know, being at his absolute yeah, sure. peak. I, I still think he's super dangerous for anyone to fight. But Dan Hooker's just got that range. He's got that natural size, height advantage, and he fights outwardly as well. He, you know, he'll fight on the outer fringes of the cage and just stay disengaging. That could pose a problem for someone like Chandler. It's going to be interesting, certainly. What do you make of, the, of Khabib's comments then? Because, like, we've talked in at length about Conor McGregor and what's next for him this year. Another thing which... Dana White said last night is that he thinks uh, he, or he's expecting Connor to fight three times this year. Um, I think he'll only fight twice in the UFC because I think he'll probably fight Manny Pacquiao at some point as well. Um, but it'd be interesting. Like, uh, Jack, who would you like, if Khabib fight, does fight again and he doesn't just vacate the title, who would you like to see him fight next? Uh, GSP. That's the only yeah. fight I wanted to see for a long time. Uh, Absolutely agree with that. That's I think that's the one fight for me, like because Khabib's been so dominant and because of the way he fights, like I don't find his fights really enjoyable to watch. If you get what I mean, like like that Holloway fight last night was even though it was remarkably one-sided, I couldn't take my eyes off it. Whereas Khabib fights, I don't always have that feeling. Don't get me wrong, he is you know he's one of the greatest ever. 
Uh, but the GSP fight interests me because it's very, uh, it's quite an even matchup, Dan, isn't it? Like stylistically, and I think uh, GSP could ask him some questions, perhaps which he hasn't been asked before. Yeah, I think more of the. Uh, just sorry, Jack. Just personally, I just think more more than uh, anything else. I, I just think it's no one's had the answers for the questions that Khabib brings to the table. But GSP is absolute strategist. He's, he's great at finding a way of out wrestling a better wrestler and out striking a better striker, and out out maneuvering a jiu-jitsu guy um, when predominantly you know he, he should be out maneuvered in return. But because he uses the aspect of MMA, he finds a way to win in all areas. And um, so he's an absolute strategist. And Khabib has not never fought anyone who's a strategist in my mind. And you know we've always seen someone who's got a very obvious style, and Khabib's just overran him with his style. But we got someone that can adapt on the job um, and also do put up a really good game plan. And he's still absolutely amazing shape. Whenever you see footages of him and interviews, this guy is motivated to stay in shape and training. It's not like he, you know, he's uh, stopped fighting, stopped training. He's he's still still up there. Yeah, that's one that would really, really interest me. I don't see the point of him fighting Poirier or, or McGregor again. Just don't interest me. The problem I've got with it is I don't really like... If GSP wins that title, say GSP was to beat him, um, he's not going to defend the title. So you get in the same position, I think it was when he fought Bispin, whereby he wins and then the title gets held up for a couple of months and then he just drops it. That's my only kind of issue with it. Um, but Jack, like Danny's talked at length over the 50-odd shows we've done about GSP and his the, the way he strategizes for fights and the game plans he came, came up with for different fighters. Do you think he could find a way to beat Khabib? Yeah, that's why I want to see it. As uh, as Danny said, he's he's a master tactician. You know, he, in his training camps, he leaves no stone unturned, and um, he would just go in there with, with you know, with a with a strategy and the skill set to to pose um, pose Khabib some problems. And I, you know, there hasn't been anyone that has that Habib has fought that's been able to do that. You know, as Danny said, in terms of it, no one's gone in there with a with a, a proper strategy to beat him. No one's no one's tried to really tried to take him down and and really, you know, you know, people have tried to stop his takedowns, but they haven't really tried to stop them with a with a decent strategy. You know, building in the the MMA aspects. You know, the the striking and the the footwork and all, all those types of things. To uh, to stop him get, uh, from taking him down, so uh, so yeah, I I really think GSP is the only fight, and and also I couldn't care less if GSP walked away after that fight and held up the division, or I just want to see the fight. Yeah, yeah, for sure, I can understand that fully. Um, the other name, apart from the four in the the two fights next week, which Khabib mentioned, was Charles Oliveira. He said he would he found that fight really interesting. Um, which I found quite in I found that myself quite interesting because that wasn't a fight that I'd necessarily thought of um, for Khabib. Dan, what you what would you make of that if they uh, they pitted him against Khabib? Like, yeah, I mean Charles obviously performed amazingly just recently, but I don't want to you know overstretch myself by saying he's got a chance against Khabib just because he beat Ferguson the way he did. Because to me, Ferguson just I don't know, he's just lost his stride. He's lost his stride. So, you know, maybe that was partly to do with why he looks so good. But not to take anything away from Charles. I think Charles is an amazing athlete and definitely on the increment regards um, his performance building um, and his status in the division. But, yeah, I don't know. I, 
I'm just going to stick with the fact that really my main interest is seeing him against someone like GSP. I can't get that one out of my head. Um, yeah, and that's just it. I'll stand by that. Yeah, I think Oliver has looked better since he's gone back to lightweight in 2000, I think it was 2017. Um, he's just looked a bit more comfortable and kind of taken on and really gone and done some special stuff over the, the last year or two. Um, they announced uh, where's it gone? And they announced some more some more fights. Uh, Stipe versus um, who was it? Can't remember off the top of my head. Um, they announced the Stipe fight, which was one of the um, one of the things they announced. But um, I wanted to ask you guys both, really. Like, obviously, Holloway took all the plaudits last night, and rightly so, because it, like, for me, that was one of the great MMA performances, particularly striking performances. It was just unbelievable. But um, Jack, who stood out for you, or like just generally on that card last night, other than Holloway? Um, I think you know that I, I don't think really. I mean, there's some, there were some fantastic fights. Um, you know, the the knockout over Pontonibio was 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 brilliant. You know, there's some 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 brilliant finishes, but I think they were all overshadowed by by Max's performance and his. Um, and, and his personality in the fight, and I just, yeah, I think the only thing I really think of when I about last night's fights, they they were all brilliant. The um, the heavyweight fight was was uh, was back and forth, but but they were they were all fantastic. But I just think Max just over, you know, just took over the show really in that final bout. It was it was very special, very special performance. Mm. Um, uh, there so. Uh, Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou is set for UFC 260 in March. Um, Danny, what do you make of that fight? Because Ngannou has looked a bit refreshed of late, but obviously the main criticisms around him is probably outside of his striking, he sometimes struggles a little bit. Yeah, you just got to wonder whether if you don't do something in the first two rounds, it's always going to go Stipe's way. I just think Stipe's a little bit too experienced and a little bit too complete for Zagano. Um, but you can't write Zagano off. I mean, he'll put you away with the slightest slip up. He really will. And, you know, let's not take away from the fact that he's trying to round off his game more. And, you know, each month that goes by, there's no doubt that he'll be, you know, becoming a more of a complete MMA fighter. And, you know, that's a scary prospect to see someone with those kind of, you know, physical credentials. Um sure. So, yeah, we can't write him off. It doesn't overly excite me, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm sure it throws some interest when that bout happens. I mean, the thing is, with the heavyweights, especially with someone like Francis Ngannou, like, on his day, it doesn't matter who he's fighting. If he catches someone clean, they're going to go down. And I think him, if he was to be able to find a way to beat Steve Miocic, that's a massive win for him. And I think that really. Do you think he'd have, if he beat if he was to beat Stipe, he's got to have a title shot, surely? Would you say, Dan? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I feel like that's the next fight for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, you know, there's Stipe's like the guy, in he? So it's uh, be interesting for sure. What do you make of that fight, uh, Jack? Is it isn't the Stipe the champ? The champ? Yeah, he, he is. is he? Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think he's just getting a little muddled up there. But yeah, um, I, I don't. Um, I, yeah, I'm not. 
I'm not overly enthusiastic about the fight. We've already seen it before. Stipe um, took him over. I think it was, I think it was five rounds. But um, you know, after Engano sort of blew his load in the first couple, um, Stipe just repeatedly kept taking him down and and beating him up down there. Um, and I think the same thing is going to happen. Um, obviously, if Stipe lands a single shot, it could be a different story. But um, it's a very, it's a you know, it's a very tough game plan for for Stipe to um, uh, to to keep up f- for five rounds. But he has done it already, um, and I think it's probably going to go the same way. But yeah, Ingarni's power is uh, is insane. So one shot could change could change that fight. Absolutely. Um, the last bit of kind of, I guess, news I wanted to touch on, I wanted to get um, Jack's opinion on. Uh, we're going to see friend of the show, Mason Jones, make his UFC debut on Wednesday. Uh, he's fighting Mike Davis. Uh, are you familiar with Mason, Jack? Yeah. So, yeah, so like some of my some of my guys have fought him before. Um, and and obviously, I, I know Mason a lot from just from the, the, the Cage Warriors uh, uh, events. And I, I actually speak to him pretty regularly on just uh, on WhatsApp and stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he's, I'm pretty excited for his fight. He definitely deserves to be there. He's one of those guys that um, in, especially in, you know, the, the Cage Warriors, uh, the Cage Warriors roster has worked his way up. He's, he's fought everyone. He's done that, you know, he stepped up to welterweight to, to fight, um, you know, at a higher weight and, and, and beat another top guy there. Um, he's, He's never shied away from a fight, done it, done it the hard way, and he's and he's earned his his UFC shot. So there's, you know, nowadays it's actually it's actually quite rare that the guys have done it the, the proper way, and I feel like Mason Jones has. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm really, really excited to see how he goes in that fight. Do you think? Um, do you think he'll pick up the victory, Jack? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's highly likely. I think highly likely. He's on absolute roll, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's got to be full of confidence as well, isn't he? I'm not massively familiar with his uh, opponent, Mike Davis, but I would. Have, you just never know, do you, I guess, with these fighters who are coming in, just trying to have a look there at uh, Mike Davis's record. He seems uh, relatively relatively new, was he? He's 8-2, but I don't know if that's in the UFC or overall. No, it looks like he's in the, the UFC. So his last fight... He fought uh, Gifford and won. He lost to Gilbert Burns previous to that. So, yeah, it looks like he's had two fights in the UFC. He lost one and won one. Um, you know, Gilbert, no, uh, no shame in losing to Gilbert Burns, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think I think Mason Mason's really well-rounded. He's going to do really well in the UFC. He's, he's not really got any... Um, you know, glaring holes in his game. He's got a very good jiu-jitsu game. He's got, um, can, he's got excellent wrestling, and his striking is really good. So, and also he's a, he's a very tough guy, and he's he's got no quitting him. So, I think he's going to do well. He's got all the, uh, all the ingredients to make a make a, re- a really good run at, at, at uh, yeah, at his career in the UFC. Yeah, I think so. Are you looking forward to that one, Dan? Yeah, yeah. I'm really going to be watching this guy's career with interest um you know obviously we've rubbed shoulders with him on here and, and got to know him a little bit better and um he's a real good guy someone that really deserves it um he fights like he's 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 like a street fighter the way he fights he just tucks in there's there's no holding him back he just gets right in there but when you talk to him he's quite analytical with his approach to mma he's a true martial artist in every sense of the word so um yeah i've got a lot of faith that this guy's going to have a 
glorious career, really do. And so young as well. I mean, what, what is he? He's pretty young, isn't he? But they all are now. Yeah. Look how young some of these British athletes that are, and the Welsh athletes that have gone over there, they've they got out there at such young ages. It's incredible. Yeah, it's going to be a really, as a Welshman myself, like I'm going to be fascinated to see how Mason and Jack Shaw do this year in the UFC. Mm. They both mm. seem poised to to really step it up to a, another level. Um, so I'll genuinely, I'm genuinely really excited by it. But there's, um, mm. you know, it's not just the Welsh guys. There's, um, there's a whole host of talent which has either just gone into the UFC or already in the UFC or also just at the top of Cage Warriors almost waiting to go into UFC. Uh, including our guest for next week, which is um, going to be an interesting one. Um, so, uh, Jack, obviously you fought um, all over, including the uh, Cage Warriors. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of about your career and stuff, and some of your memories of that. But um, what are you up to at the moment? I'm just, uh, I'm just. Well, obviously I work in my full time job as 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 well, but I I am. Um, I run sort of BKK fighters. We've got um, quite a few, few guys, um, or guys and girls that are, that fight fighting. Um, you know, this obviously this last year has been a bit slower, but still managed to get get quite a few guys out. Um, I also obviously I've been I've coached Arnold Allen since he was a a, a young boy, and and Corey McKenna as well. And we've just um, Arnold's been out in Montreal now, back and forth. For about five years since he since he got into the UFC, and uh, and Corey has moved out to, to Sacramento um, earlier this year. Straight after we, we flew out for her Dayton White contender series fight, um, and then and then she st- she stayed out in California. We, to, we got her a visa prior to that, so she's living out there permanently for I think she's got a five year visa, um, and she got into the UFC after that performance and. She had her debut in November, um, and I went and spent a bit of time out with, in Sacramento with her uh, before the before the fight. So, so that was good and good to see what they're doing out there. Um, but yeah, so I'm just focusing on coaching, um, and and yeah, and loving it really. It's uh, definitely a passion of mine. I definitely enjoy it more than more than than fighting, um, and it's great to see these these guys doing so well. well you mentioned um, Corey McKenna there. I yeah. really am interested to see how her career goes. She made a good, uh, a good debut in the UFC. Obviously, the first Welsh woman to fall in the UFC as well. Yeah. Um, but she's looked mightily impressive previous to that. Like, how good is she, and how far do you think she can go in the UFC? She's um, yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's in, she's incredible. She's got um, yeah, she's really well rounded. Obviously, you know, as Danny was saying, you know, all these all these young kids that have been. Have been they've they've been learning MMA since they were since they were they were young like Corey walked into the gym at thirteen and she's just she's been doing MMA since then you know she she wasn't like didn't do whatever it is jujitsu or or a different sport it was just MMA from from thirteen so while she's only she's only twenty now she's in the UFC she's had a she's already had a seven year career and she was she was competing you know competitively in 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 Thai boxing um uh, jiu-jitsu etc um since since she was 13 um so she's really experienced um yeah she's i think she has got the potential to be 
to be the be a champ. It's a very tough division, probably probably the toughest women's division, I think. Um, but but yeah, as long as she keeps improving the way she has been, there's no reason why she shouldn't. Then I, then I definitely think she can be the champ in the future. Yeah, Jack. Just a, a little bit of a coaching question to put to you. Yeah. Just uh, you know, uh, your opinion. If you was going to take on a fighter that had a background in in martial arts, and you can, you know, they wanted therefore to yeah. go over to full on MMA, would you rather them be at like a world class level in their jujitsu, or like a world class level wrestler, world class level striker? What, if you was going to pick any of the formats that you would prefer to build upon, what what sort of area would you? Yeah, think? It's, a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I, I think I, I always do think that wrestling is uh, is um, extremely important because because obviously you can dictate where the fight's going to go. You could yeah. be the best striker in the world, but if you if you can't stop a takedown, then it's going to be useless. And likewise with jujitsu, if you if you if you you could have unbelievable jujitsu, but if you can't get someone to the ground, um, then you can't use it. So so I'd say that's probably one of the the most preferable bases. Um, but <laughs> that being said, you know, um, especially nowadays, you know, the, um, the striking is definitely very predominant. So, you know, you can always, you, you know, with hard work, you can always build a, a decent takedown defense. So guys can do really well if they're decent strikers and they can stop a takedown. So in, in, in today's sort of, you know, MMA. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, Danny? Yeah, I would initially steer towards the wrestling for the exact same reasons yeah. we, which you mentioned. Really, is the fact that you can strategize to either steer it to the ground or, or you know to wherever the other yeah. person is weak um, in terms of who they're up against. And obviously, yeah. if they're a strong striker, you'll be able to get it to the ground and, and and so on. And I think obviously with the wrestling, it doesn't take much to teach them some of the principles about being up against a fence. Okay, that's not straight one-on-one wrestling, yeah. but the, f- the fence work itself has become. Um, you know, quite something of importance in terms of just getting out of the danger of strikes, um, but also not having to go down to the floor of the danger of a good submission guy. You can literally yeah. just, you know, wrestle screw them um, up against the fence and take the fight there. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like a stick in the spokes of a rotating wheel, isn't it, wrestling? Yeah. You can screw up a jiu-jitsu guy and also screw up a, a good striker. Um, so yeah, pretty okay. much be in agreement. But it's interesting how you know when I put this question to different coaches or different students and what have you, they will all come up with different reasons why. Um, I just want to get your perspective on it. Um, you know, I was looking at your fight record earlier. I know you've had a long career, but you you really have you know wrapped up a hell of a lot of fights um, yeah. over your course of your career. Um, yeah, um, did you have a set date that you know, or set fight that you knew you was going to have as your last fight, or how <sighs> did it work out? No, just um, the like uh, I've just racked up so many injuries. Like I've got no, um, uh, I've got no uh, ligaments in my knees or or meniscus in my right knee. So um, stuff, you know, stuff like that. I in my in my last three fights, I got pretty some pretty bad injuries. I got um, I got my teeth, front teeth knocked out, which I had to have. Uh, um, I'd have uh, implants put in, which took about 18 months recovery. And then I got, um, when I get against Hacker Foss, I got the big cut above my eyebrow. I had some, some big injuries. And I just thought, you know, what do I, why, why am I doing this any any longer? You know, maybe, mm. I, maybe I'm losing a step, you know, because before, you know, I would, 
I think all of the last my last three fights would have fought Marvin Vittori, Jason Radcliffe, and Hakan Foss. All of the fights um, I think I, I lost were through, were from uh, from knees. So uh, you know I got got my teeth knocked out with a knee, got cut with a knee, and um, yeah, and and that that was it really. So um, I I just thought this this you know I don't need to be carrying on and um, and coaching was really my passion um, and and that was it really. So um, yeah yeah yeah. And for me, coaching has been an amazing substitute for getting in there and doing it myself. I, I don't look back, um, have no desires to wish I was young again to do it all again. I, I'm proud of what I've done. I'm really happy with what I've done. But when I put it to bed, it was to bed for good. Um, and, you know, it looks like that you pretty much think the same way. I mean, coaching is just a fantastic thing. You get to live yeah. through it without the pain. <laughs> yeah that's it like um, I struggle you know I struggle to walk down the stairs in the morning I have to walk down backwards and things like that you know and I just think there's no way like I know how good these these young guys are there's no way I can compete with those those people yeah. those, uh, those fighters but you know I've learned so much through my career you know I've had I've made so many mistakes um, that I can I can help guide these young these young fighters through their careers and, and, and hopefully not make them not let them make some same mistakes I did. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? Like it's interesting listening to to you two guys. Like obviously two ex fighters who retired and seem happy with the decision and, and no desires or things to go back on it. You don't always see that with fighters, both MMA and boxing. Like when they fighters retire, they struggle with it and they they end up coming back a year later or they come back in a few years past their prime and. It's never quite the same, and that's common for you know for a lot of fighters to go through. So I think it's interesting, and it sounds as if coaching has helped both of you with that um, in terms of finding a way to still be involved in MMA and and pass on your knowledge and and your technical abilities and things like that, but just without the pain. Um, <laughs> Jack, you mentioned like just quickly going back to Corey McKenna. I was going to say like she is so she's so young, like twenty twenty one. That is so young, and like there's a, there's a lot of time to get things right, isn't it? And if yeah. it's not just for Corey, but for any fighter, when you when you're that young and you're fighting in the biggest promotion in the world, if things don't go to plan straight away, as long as you've got like a good team around you and good people advising you, and you want to keep improving. There's plenty of time to make things right, um, and I think that's what fascinates me a bit about all the British um, talent coming through at the moment. Is a lot of them are very young. They're you know they're they're like early to mid twenties, um, and they're just preparing to basically take on the world almost. They're, yeah. A lot of them, and then you know there's a I'd probably say I could more than a handful of them seem as if they're ready to really push on to that next level whether it's someone like a Jack Shaw or, or a, a Mason Jones or a Corey McKenna. Is there anyone within Cage Warriors or on the U European scene or UK scene or from, from your own gym where, where you're kind of really excited by the talent you can see where they might not necessarily be at, you know, at the top now, but you could see them maybe pushing on someone we should look out for in the future? Well, yeah, I mean, there's 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 tons. I'd say uh, one of um, one of Danny Danny's guys, uh, George Vujenic. He's uh, 
he's really making a, a name for himself. He had a fantastic performance against Paul Hughes, who was also another huge prospect on the Cage Warriors roster, and he's he's fighting for the title now. So he's he's probably the guy that I think you know they're one of the next big British stars. I think you know if he can, if he can especially if he can get past not you know it doesn't doesn't matter if he does or he doesn't, but um, I still think it's gonna, big things that happen for him. But if he gets past uh, uh, Morgan Charrier, um, then then I think. The, the world is always and things are going to escalate pretty quickly for him. Um, but the, the thing I was really impressed with him was when, because we, my, my guy, Steve Amable, fought against him. It was a close fight, but um, the, we went in there with a, with a, one of the things that I saw with J- Jordan, um, and it's something that Qatar probably could have, could have sort of, you know, could have used last, last night, but, we we knew Jordan's uh, game plan was you know was probably going to strike want to strike with Steve and and we we had some some parts of the game plan that worked really well in the first round. Jordan came you know Jordan adjusted after the first round and came back out, changed his his uh, his attacks, and he managed to you know to to get the decision and just you know having that type of mindset to be able to change up the game plan mid fight. Um, it's just one of those things that it's very difficult to, um, um, to, you know, to, to, to teach a fighter. They have to, you know, a lot of the time they just sort of have to have that ability and, and he does. And I think with us, with the skill set he's got, the look he's got, I just think, I think the, uh, and the mindset he's got, I think the, the world is his oyster to be honest. Yeah, he's a massive prospect. He's, um, he's gone very, very far, very quick. Um, yeah, Danny. Obviously, uh, you've been working with Jordan. Is he looking forward to his uh, title fight in uh, a few weeks? Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is a big opportunity. Um, you know, I talk about trying to have goals that I want to set for myself as a coach, and um, you know, I wanted to create first of all amateur champions. I've done that numerous times. Then I create a you know a, a legit pro. When I say legit pro on a big show, we did that with Modestus. But then another one is to, you know, get one of my lads to win the former title that I had, which is the featherweight Cage Warriors title. And, you know, Jordan's fighting for that one now. So, you know, I feel pretty confident that's going to be another another notch done, another completion of the task that I've got at hand as a as a coach to set my goals. And, um, yeah, Jordan's a good lad. He's got a really good attitude. So he's one of those students that... Um, that respond to what you say. Um, you know, if he ever has a disagreement with perhaps a direction I want to go in, it's like that we get discussed, although initially we're always on the same page. He's just got a great work ethic and uh, it, it, it just makes things easy. So many times with these youngsters, you get different hiccups with their home life that interferes with their training. And yeah, it, it can be a headache. But with Jordan, it's been pretty plain sailing. I remember the only really, I say if it's an issue at all, he kept coming to our gym and then he would come get beat up and then he would go floating around other gyms and he would appear again sort of eight months later, stay for another month and then vanish again. And I sort of like, not I don't want to say humiliated him, but I kind of like told him off a little bit. I said, Jordan, what the hell are you doing, man? You know, you've got so much talent, but you've got nowhere to call your home. I know you like to go from gym to gym. I said, make one place your home. I said, I don't care who you represent, what team you fight for. I said, give us a chance to sort of consolidate some of your skill sets and go and train elsewhere. Go and represent who you want, but just give me a chance to see you not waste your your, your young talent because I think you've got something. And he took it on board and he signed up 
a month later, he was there. He was there for good. And, you know, he does go training other places, which I get all my students. So I encourage my students. So I'm not an insecure coach by any way, which I was doing a podcast. Um, I, I got invited on to James Doolan's podcast and we was talking about similar things, really, how that I'm not insecure for people to go and train elsewhere. Um, if they find out some new things that I haven't been able to teach them, that's only a great thing. You know, bring it back home. Let's all learn and, and, and evolve. And likewise, we're a very open, loose club. We're um, here really representing a team. OK, I get all that. But really, I'm in it because they become my friends and I care about their progress. Fighting for the team. OK, that's just, um, you know, j- just something you got to do as part of the, you know, what makes the game the game. But. I don't even like this term coach. I'm just a student that's got more experience than these other younger students and I like to share it, but I'm in it because I want to see them progress as people. Um, yeah, so, sorry. You make them cool. Ah, no, that, 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 that's... <laughs> no, I, I would never do that, honestly. I find that an ugly thing, I really do. Yeah, no. Um, Jack, I, just before, I know you've got to shoot off at nine, so I just wanted to kind of chat a bit about your career. Like, you mentioned the injuries and stuff. And it did seem as if maybe towards the end of your fighting career, you were, you know, you were struggling a little bit with the the injuries that you were picking up. Like, tell us some of the more positive memories from your fighting career. Just um, just just from you know traveling the world, meeting all the 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 people that I did. Um, you know, we've got got lifelong you know got lifelong friends friends from um from MMA and just it's just just been fantastic it's opened opened so many doors for me um in both my like just my day-to-day job and uh and just just life experiences has been it's been amazing you know like head headlining uh you know i would never have gone to alpha Shira in the uae um but headlining the, an event um a cage Rose event over there um and then yeah I did, there's just so so many different memories but that that is pretty much the uh, summation. I've I've had a great career, um, you know. I didn't I didn't necessarily achieve some of the things that I, I set out to, but um, I'm not I'm don't really look back on that. Um, I just really enjoy, really have enjoyed it, and and have met just some fantastic people and met some you know had some experiences that I would never de- never never would have done um, yeah. if I hadn't been involved. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you know, um, you know, out of all the many fights that you have, because my goodness, you really have racked them up. And um, is there any particular fight that you would, you know, you would, you know, want someone to look at if they were showing interest in your career and you say, hey, go and have a look at, you know, that fight that really showed you at your peak level where you you think you was at your best and you feel that you gave your best performance? Um, I think... Yeah, potential. So, uh, I think uh, the the fight I had against Colin Reuter, who was he was training at Team Alpha Male at the time, is the first guy that I fought that was, um, uh, you know, from a legitimate super camp. You know, so at the time he, he was, uh, you know, tra- tra- training out of Team Alpha Male. There were big, big, big gym at the time. Still are, obviously. Um, and I was I was main event in the Cage Warriors. Um, so I really put everything into that fight. And um, and from a from a, a game plan and game plan execution point of view, I was really happy with that. Um, the guy had just come off a, a big knockout that went completely viral. Obviously, I was worried about his his uh, his right hand and uh, and yeah, I nullified that and and put on a 
good perf- good performance. Um, and then the other one, the other one, so was uh, Bruno Cavallo as well. And this was right. this is one of the um, Bruno Cavallo back in the back in the day was he was a light heavyweight uh, Brazilian guy that was training training in Scandinavia, but he was uh, he was one of the top uh, top heavyweights in in Europe at the time. Um, and I kept having shows all over trying to trying to match me with him. Um, and I kept saying no, because, you know, my, I, uh, I trained with, uh, August Wallen, um, right. out in, in Sweden. He, he advised me to get, he, you know, he'd done some training with me. He advised me against it. Um, so for it was about three, three to five years, I think I just kept getting these offers. Um, then he, he, he eventually signed to cage warriors and he, he went down from being a light heavyweight. I think he came off the, Come off the steroids, maybe, and he he went now <laughs> from light heavyweight to to welterweight. Um, he was still a huge huge guy at the time, um, and he was the only guy that I've ever had a bit of uh, bad bad blood or beef with, um, okay. because because he um, this yeah this was uh, he I was matched with him on the Liverpool show. So we we never spoken before at, at all. I was matched with him on a Liverpool show, um, Ocasio's event at the Liverpool Echo, and he pulled out the, the the week previous because I think he had to get a new passport or something and didn't want to do it or so, something like that. I don't I don't know what the the thing was, but anyway, Ian Dean said to me, he pulled out. You know, do you still want to fight? I was like, yeah, I still want to fight. He said, um, I can get you Ali Irish, and Ali Irish was was ranked, I don't know, three at the time. He was, I think, he had an 18, one, 18 and one record. And I, I said, okay, cool. Like five days notice, it's massive change of opponent. Um, but I still did, I still wanted to fight, so I did the fight. Um, and on fight day, I get a tweet from Bruno Cavallo saying. Me, why didn't you want to fight me? I'm like, why? What are you going on about? And I'm, I'm fighting. I'm still, I'm here. Um, and he, he was the one that didn't show up. So, so then we had this bit of beef, and right. he was, I was super. Like eventually, when we got rematched, um, I was super motivated, and I probably had the best camp I've ever had, the best track. You know, everything went perfect. Um, still, it was a really tough fight, but I won the decision in the end, um, and. And yeah, I think I think in the first round, I remember he dropped me, and I was like, "No, no way, am I <laughs> going to get finished here?" And um, yeah, and and I, and I fought back, and I and I got you know got the decision, and I, I felt like that that performance was uh, was one, yeah, especially for me, like just from all the, the history in there, it was is one of the performances I was most happy with and most proud of, anyway. So. So, yeah, yeah, just no, nothing like uh, winning a, a fight that where you've got a little bit of a beef that produces that passion. I mean, yeah, like yeah. you say, you got knocked down in that first round, and you know, maybe in a less motivated fight, that might have been a different case. But the fact that you had it in your head, like I can't lose to this guy, it yeah. gives you that drive to stay in there and um, yeah, and pull off the win. Absolutely. <laughs> and that was actually going to be one of my questions. That was, uh, is there? Have you ever fought? anyone professionally whereby like you've legitimately had a bit of a dislike because it's it's actually surprising how many fighters say they've never really fought you know professionally and had like a legitimate sort of dislike for their opponent a lot of them you know say there's 
you know, it's just a, it's a job or it's it's their career and they just fight with it. Right. Um, what about, one of the uh, things one of the things about the sport I was going to, just going to say one of the things about the sport is that MMA really humbles you you know and you you realize that it doesn't matter what people look like or how big they are whatever there are some exceptionally tough guys out there and uh you, you'd be mad to underestimate anyone really just in 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 all walks of life and um I, I think it makes for for better people so there, there aren't that many dicks involved in the sport because everyone is so true. humble yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, you, 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 I mean, you do still get them, but they're few and far between yeah. in the sport. I absolutely agree. But then, like, even like, say, some someone like um, I know, say Conor McGregor, who's got a lot to say for himself, can sometimes you know be quite disrespectful to to opponents or to people. But actually, when it comes down to it, when he loses, um, he's very humble. He he always takes it on the chin. He'll shake his opponent's hand and and stuff like that. And that's one of the, the things I actually prefer about MMA to boxing is I'd say 90% or 99% of the fighters, no matter what's going on in the build-up being said, what's going on in the fight, they will generally shake hands. They'll be very respectful. They'll shake hands with the coaching staff um, because it's at its core, it's about martial arts, which is obviously something which over hundreds of years has been drilled into to various different martial arts about respect and things like this. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about MMA over boxing because that's not always the case with boxing. I'm not going to yeah. another boxing rant though, Dan, about uh, the state of <laughs> boxing at the moment. Mm. Um, oh, I was going to, I forgot, I had a really big question for you, Jack, and I've completely forgotten it, mm. which is uh, a bit frustrating. It'll come back to me now. Um, what about plans for the, for the future, uh, Jack? Have you got like, one one question we always get sent in by people is where do you see yourself in five years time but it's difficult with the pandemic to to make those sort of predictions well like say? similar to what uh, danny said earlier so i've got a i've got like a, a book in front of me where i write down my uh down my goals every day and and obviously i have, I have uh, lots of coaching goals as well so um one of them is is the same you know i really you know one of the, the goals is to have a one of the fights that I coach win the Cage Warriors title because I feel like that's one of the the most legitimate titles you know outside the UFC um, and you know you really have to have to be you know, really have to work for that title and, and beat the you know sort of the, some of the the best guys in Europe um, but but obviously I've I've also got you know so so Arnold Allen um, been been coaching for a long time and and he's in the top ten now. Um, for featherweight, we're really trying to get him matched up. He's had a tough time with with opponents pulling out the last over the last year. Really want to get him matched up this year and uh, and make a run for that title. You know, after watching that fight last night, you know Max Holloway looked looked brilliant, but re, you know the level Arnold is at now. I think the the skill set matches up really well. Um, so so um, so obviously got that. You know. That's that's another goal of you know is to win a UFC title and I think Arnold is going to do that. Um, okay. Corey, um, she she's going to probably going to be um, fighting at the end of this year I think. She, in in her UFC debut in November she she broke her ankle and um, and tore some ligaments in her um, tore them right off 
in in her ankle as well. So they've they've had to be repaired. So she's got quite a long long recovery for that. So she's not going to be back competing. I don't think till the the second half of the year. Um, and yeah, and and the rest of it, you know, I've got lots of other guys coming through BKK and just want to make sure that they get fights this year, get back active and and start um, start really racking up those wins and developing as uh, as yeah as good fighters really. And Jack, you talk highly of the female fighters you got as well as the the, the male uh, fighters that you have. And um, what you what you thinking about the you know the attention the female fighters are getting today in UFC. You know, because some people were a bit screamish about the idea of, you know, attractive ladies, you know, banging it out with each other and stuff. Is is this something that, you know, turns you off or you're all for no. it? When, when, um, when, when Corey was growing up, we always used to, like, take the mick out of her and say, you know, all you've got to do is to be, you know, a, a UFC champion, just put your hand up um, and uh, say, I want to, say, I want to fight because he, you would, you know, it was such a shallow division at the time, and anyone that wanted to to fight um, could could really get in there. But but nowadays, Jesus, the the girls are super, just as dedicated as the men. They 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 fight hard a lot of the time. They fight harder than the men. They they just got like a really uh, vicious streak about them. Um, and uh, and you know, there is a, there is a big gap. So. I would I would still say that the divisions are a little bit more shallow. You know, the some of the the low one example was one of the fights last night. I can't remember the the name, but um, two two of the girls that were on the the prelims, the the level was not that great. I think it was a Brazilian girl and a, a Canadian girl, but the level was not that great. But then the at the the top end of the division, you know, like the top the top ten, top fifteen, the the uh, the the females are unbelievable. The skill set is is uh, is really high, and um, and yeah, I I really love watching the the the, the women fight, the women's fight. Um, you know, Joanna and uh, um, Welly Zhang uh, fight last year. Last year was probably fight of the year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, I th- yeah, just in terms of the, the the women, I think they're just they're just as good. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes the fights can be even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been treated to some phenomenal female. Yeah, do, do you think as well? You know, we, it seems the women seem to have such incredible stand-up wars. And don't get me wrong, we see this with the guys, but with the guys, so often we see one guy, you know put closure to the fight with a knockout with the women you're not seeing as many knockouts um you know maybe because they're not so yeah. powerfully set up top um you know do you think sometimes this is what you know makes for a, a better spectacle the, the fact that they can't knock each other out so easily and you're getting these huge exchanges of striking yeah yeah absolutely um and they just they just don't back down you know when you've got yeah. these these you know these really, uh, really highly skilled, you know, aggressive females, and as you say, you know, sometimes the power isn't there, and they they can't quite put each other away. But the, you know, with 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 one shot, um, then and yeah, yeah, the, some of the fights just that turn out, you know, spectacular. Um, but you are getting the you we are starting to see these 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 uh, women come into the into the divisions now that you know like. Um, Amanda Nunes and and people that really can put put those girls away as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think we're going to see. I think we are going to start seeing more of it, um, just because the level is just going up. Um, but 
but yeah, I do, I do love I love watching the women. Um, and um, when I when I was out in in Sacramento with with, uh, with Corey, she trains at a gym called CSA. Um, okay. In it's it's it's, it's about an hour from Sacramento, um, and I'd, I'd say ninety percent of the fighters there are females. They've got a lot oh, wow. of uh, yeah, so they've got a lot of females in in Bellator and um, and the UFC. Um, and and I, 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 she goes to Corey goes to spar on a, on a Saturday, and I turned up and it was just a, a mat full of uh, full of women, and they're, they're doing they're doing really big things out there. Mm-hmm. I think as well, just lastly on the women um, thing is, I think uh, in maybe in the next five years, I do think we'll see a huge influx of female talent into the UFC and and Cage Warriors and wherever else because. The, the girls who caught the bug as young kids watching Ronda Rousey um, and Holly Holm and people like that. And then obviously now the current era, I think they'll have all been inspired and taken it up and they'll start coming through. Because um, obviously there, uh, there was a point when Ronda Rousey was like one of the biggest stars, male or female, in the whole world. And I think that generation of fan and, and girls will come through we've got um the so so i run the the cage Royals academy southeast as well the the event and um the we've got so we've got so many girls um uh that the fight in the the event we've got um we'll probably have at least at least 10 girl fights every every card um and wow. and some of the you know some of the talent coming through is is unreal we've got uh amateur talent uh chloe cook riri hudson um there's on honestly we we uh we just really we really focus on developing the, the female talent in, in the uk um and we, we also get lots uh lots of fights coming from europe and norway etc as well but um it's yeah the the talent is getting really uh really really good in in the the, the women's division and um you can on just on the the the, the analytics and stats on our youtube channel um the the female fights are the most watched watch fights uh, by 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 a huge margin. Wow! Um, yeah, like the we've got some we've got some some female amateur fights that have got like two hundred thousand views, and then wow. some of the the bigger the bigger stars, which you would think in in the for for the males, you know, they they've got maybe eight thousand views. Wow. Um, it's, it's a huge huge difference in the margin, and you know. Yeah, I, I, so sometimes there are a lot of creeps that that watch uh, women's MMA <laughs> for different reasons, and uh, Corey can tell you about uh, <laughs> the DM gets, but um, but yeah, uh, there you know he's a, definitely a big fan base. Yeah, no, that, that's really good. That, yeah, yeah, I, I'd love to see you know you see I've now been doing really good to promote female fighters but i'd love to see them feature more as co-main and main events i really would yeah i think they um i think they might uh this year actually because there's a couple of big fights they can do isn't there with yeah with uh zhang Weili and and amanda Nunes and mm. Shevchenko, and there's there's some big names there who've been on fire and the next sort of step is like those super fights for them so i'm hopeful that at least that they'll you know, really put them up there in the main event mm. alongside. Like, it would have been, do you know what I mean? It'd be nice to see a big women's fight 
as the co-main with Conor McGregor, for instance. Yeah, I agree. Really, uh, just really showcase them a bit more, isn't it? Mm. Those those huge cards, as opposed to just the you know just main event in like the TV cards. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's good that they're main event in the TV cards, but it'd be nice to see a main event those top top cards. Um, okay, Jack. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. I know you've got a shoot. Um, I, I can, I, I can, it's all right, I, I can stay, actually, I, I just had a text, the guy that was supposed to be meeting with, he's, right, cool. he's not, so if you want to, yeah, we're going to do now, mate, is we're going to go through the UFC main card from last night and just talk about each fight, Brilliant. so, cool. uh, excellent, two, uh, two, two, uh, two professional uh, analysts and me, so I give uh, the uh, uneducated <laughs> fans view, and then you two can give break give the technical breakdown that the people deserve. Um, overall thoughts, Dan, of your last night's UFC card? Brilliant, yeah, really, really good. You know, we, we got, um, you know, possibly what might be fight of the year already, um, you know, with the, the main fight of the night. And, um, yeah, we got treated to some nice knockouts as well. So, yeah, a, a really good first UFC of the year. Really, really good. Yeah, a lot of finishes, wasn't there? Um, yeah. What were your uh, just overall thoughts of the card, uh, Jack? Yeah, I just thought, yeah, it was it was brilliant. The um, the there's some some brilliant knockouts. Um, great to see Condit and, and Matt Brown eventually do the fight. Uh, it was, yeah. And it you know it was it's a pretty good fight as well. And obviously the main event the there was a was a masterpiece from from Max Holloway. So yeah, that was um, special. I think is. Uh probably the best way to describe it it was uh, really really special but we'll uh, we'll get there um you mentioned dan there was a lot of uh, a lot of knockouts um there wasn't i don't did any of the main cards go to a decision did they get did, did it or there was uh, one, just uh, just, uh, one. just one that's it so, well uh, uh, condit and condit matt brown and then yeah holloway ah uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, Cond- yeah of course, course holloway I, do you know Holloway was it was uh, so one-sided in some ways I forgot that it went to a decision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was it was so special. Um, but we opened up the main card um, with uh, Soriano versus Dusko uh, Todrovic, um, with uh, Soriano picking up the win via TKO, uh, four minutes forty-eight to the first round. Uh, Danny, what did you make of this one? Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Dusko, he he fights with his hands down and he, he kept leaning back, didn't he? And um, we've seen him get away with this time and time again. But uh, you, you just wondered when his, his luck was going to run out. And um, yeah, the, the, the thing is with Sereno, he, he was punching a little bit short, wasn't he? He was looping some of his shots in and he was just coming up short with the fact that Dusko was leaning back. Uh, but he made the adjustments and started punching more down the centre line. And stretching out his shots just that little bit more and start to get the connections. Now that, that some of them hit really horribly, they're really horrible. I do, do think that maybe that leaning back kind of saved him from being knocked out from the first sort of impact. Um, but he was just ne- never given enough space. He, he kept trying to do the right thing, trying to get it to the ground. But yeah, Serrano just kept calling him back up to the feet where he knew he had him hurt, and it happened just early enough in the round for him to keep pursuing. And he kept on chasing him down, and yeah, eventually just took too many hits, and 
and it was curtains for for Dusko. But Dusko's definitely got to change his striking format in terms of his the way he holds his guard. He, he can't get away with that style. He's just not quite sharp enough to do it at the higher end. Um, he's going to keep coming up short, but you know he's been getting away with it for you know a considerable time now. But yeah, lessons learned for him. Let's hope that he does make the adjustments for future fights. Yeah, I think um, he relies, he trusts his own his head movement, doesn't he, to evade punches a lot. Yeah, and yeah. So, I mean, there's so, time... Soriano, it almost felt like he was playing right into Soriano's uh, hand. It almost, yeah. Was, uh, it, it was a dangerous game that he, he was playing, but... Um, yeah, uh, it kind of. It, don't get me wrong. There are times when you have to lean out of shots. You know, if you get caught off balance, you're kind of going to have to lean because you, as your balance goes when you're, you're you're throwing your shots, you know, your your head breaks body line and you have to sort of drop your arms lower to regain your balance, sort of thing. But uh, so there's times when head movement alone is going to be your saving grace. But you definitely shouldn't be using it as your bread bread and butter. Uh, defensively, because you're going to come unstuck. I mean, we saw what happened to Anderson Silva when he, he started goading. Um, opponents with it where he got overconfident so whether that's a little bit of what was happening here not so much that he was goading but maybe got overconfidence with this type of defense and it might be a reflection of how he trains and who he trains with um I'm not too versed on who his training partners are but maybe he's getting away with this sparring with people that perhaps haven't got the pedigree and striking to show him up for it but like i say lessons learned let's hope he makes the adjustments for future fights because if he wants to stay relevant you've got to have every part of your um, standing game on point you really have yeah I think um, as well like it's a big win for Soriano big, uh, I thought he looked real sharp um, be interesting where he goes next Jack what did you make of this one yeah just pre pretty much what Danny said and I think Soriano's got his had his number and it's, it's sort of just showcased the, the, the blueprint to beat uh, Todd Overrich is that how you say it? Um, so. And yeah, uh, how to yeah to, how to beat him, and I think other people will follow that strategy going forward unless he unless he changes things up. Yeah, hundred um, percent. The next fight I found were really interesting because uh, uh, Joaquim Buckley or Jokey Buckley, I'm not sure how you say um, his first name. Uh, it's been quite vocal this week um, about how he was going to do this, that, and the other, and he said he felt a bit disrespected. Um, he was uh, he came in to fight uh, Alicio de, Chiri de Chirico um, and it did not go to plan for him he was knocked out after 2, two minutes 12 of the first round um, some people I saw on social media calling it the upset uh, of the last 12 months but I'm not sure about that but I th it was certainly an upset um, Jack what did you make of this second fight? I was, it was short and sweet, wasn't it? Um, oh, yeah. It was a beautiful head kick. Um, yeah, and he, he set it up, and it meant a lot. It definitely meant meant a lot to uh, to Alicio. He, um, you know, you could see he almost he was almost in tears as as the fight was was called off. Um, yeah, beautiful beautiful head kick, and um, yeah, and uh, were you surprised yeah. with how it went? Like, did you expect? Uh, Buckley to pick up the win here. Um, no, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not hundred, you know, I'm not that sure. I haven't followed his career that uh, that much, really. I, I know I saw, obviously, I saw his uh, his his big KO last year, 
But um, yeah, I, I thought you know maybe the UFC are trying to trying to give him a win because Aliso is sort of um, you know he he's fallen short a couple of times in in the UFC, um, but yeah. He, he came in with an excellent game plan and landed that head kick beautifully. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, you know, Buckley's definitely got talent and definitely got dynamite in his hands. So, you know, I, I just think he, he was trying to chase it down. Uh, but I think he was so hell-bent on what he was wanting to do to um, Alessio. Uh, he kind of slipped up on what be what what was being done in return so you know, i think they had opposite stances didn't they which opens up to that body shot that alicia threw with the leg kick um, with the kick from his leg to the body and to the leg and of course this one went upstairs and i think that's really what caught him out but it looked like buckley was like i say so hell-bent on throwing those power shots if you have a look at the way that he got shin kicked to the head. He was squatting really low, like uh, almost looking to throw and wind up punches like Mike Tyson does. Mike Tyson likes to drop down even lower and even shorter and explode upwards as he throws. It looked like he was just preparing to do that. But of course, you know, to do something like that, you're coiling like a spring. It's kind of quite an obvious movement. And so I think it was quite an easy transition from kicking to midsection up to kicking high because it actually wasn't high in location to his leg height throwing the kick because he has squatted so damn low and i think that's partly what um allowed him to have enough power on that kick to knock him out i think a head kick initially when someone's up more upright you lose a little bit of the power you kick the fact that buckley was squatted so low and given away a good couple of inches in height anyway it was almost a midsection level kick for the kicker and so it must have generated so much force and indeed you saw it in the slow motion you know he hit him right on the side of that skull it ripped his neck sideways i'm you know, not surprised at all that it knocked him clean sparko but i do think it was a bit of an upset i think there was bigger plans for buckley i think it was expected that buckley would win um but let's see you know he's he's back and relevant again you know uh th- this was a great performance for him you can't you, you can't take it away you know you've only got what you got in front of you at the end of the day and it looked like he was prepping something up for that first round he kept going low and kept going mid with that kick and then he went upstairs um you know it's not super um iq intelligence to set up things like that but they still work at the highest order and it worked uh, last night for him well done indeed um and well, at least according to the bookies this was the uh, the first of two upsets in a row as um uh, I'm going to pronounce this poor man's uh, name wrong. Uh, Santiago Ponzibio. Ponzinibio. That's the one. Versus, um, uh, we're Jamie, bad at names. Uh, makes me laugh. Every time I get the names wrong. I do try, though. Um, versus Lee. And uh, Lee was a massive underdog. He was the biggest underdog of the night. And I thought, even before the fight, I thought, God, oh, they're underrating. Because I quite like Lee. I like the way he fights. I like the way he mm. goes about his business. He always looks really sharp. And even in his last fight, he hadn't looked at his best, but he still won. Um, and Santiago uh, obviously had a big, long a long layoff, but is very, very, uh, very good fighter. Uh, but Lee picked up the win via KO after four, just under four and a half minutes in the first round. Uh, Danny, you go first on this one. What did you make of this? Yeah, I just feel like Santiago because he did have a bit of time out, like you say, and uh, and and Lee's been you know pretty active, you know he's he's he, and he's quite a sharp fighter anyway, 
Um, so I just think Sergio Isaac should have sat behind his jab. He's got a really good jab. I just think he should have stayed long for a little, little longer and maybe just get that first round under his belt to shake off any uh, potential rust because I think that's what happened. I think he started throwing in the deep combinations. When I say deep combinations, trying to throw that deep cross. But the thing is, it missed and he was a little bit sloppy on his retraction back from that, that, that slip shot that happened. And he got caught with the left hook again. You know, there's no rocket science in, in striking terms for the setup to counter a missed cross and then throw in a left hook. It, you know, it's classic pad work combination. But it just worked an absolute treat. I just feel like he threw it a little bit too early. I think he should have settled a little bit more, played a little bit long, stuck behind the lead leg kick, stuck behind the jab before going in with those cross hands. Um, yeah, just went in a bit too premature and he paid the ultimate price. You know, he slipped up pretty much once and uh, and that put him away. But that's the level of UFC for you. But let's not take anything away from, you know, Lee. I think he's a fantastic fighter. Um, he's someone that appears to just fall a little short as he's moving up those ranks. But maybe this time around, he will go even further and maybe get a shot at that title. Who knows? Yeah, I was watching... Um... Daniel Cormier talk about uh, Lee before the fight, and um, he was saying like that he's been away, he's been working really hard on improving certain aspects of his game, uh, yeah. to the point where he almost sees himself as a as a new fighter, which is interesting because he's always been a he's a good fighter, but maybe like you say, maybe when push comes to shove at the the highest level when those really top opponents come across, that's where he's maybe being found out a little bit, but. Um, mm. I thought he did. I thought he was really impressive last night. I thought, um, considering he was such a big underdog with the bookies, like I was surprised by that. You know, I I'm not necessarily surprised that Santiago was the favourite. Just more surprised at how much the differential was in the, mm. you know, in the in the betting. But there we go. Um, next up, we finally finally got uh, Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown. Uh, I think it's uh, definitely two times it's been uh, called off. I've got to think that it might have even been through three times, but it's uh, we finally got it, and it didn't disappoint. I thought it was uh, really good. Uh, I thought Carlos Conduit was very, very impressive. Uh, Jack, what did you make of this and uh, Carlos's performance? I, I thought um, Carlos was just sort of one step ahead of uh, of Matt Brown in the whole fight, and I, I think Matt Brown made some you know, some, he had some, I guess he had a, he had a strategy. I think he wanted to, to take uh, Carlos down and, and sort of ground the pound him. Um, especially when he, when he found, you know, that he was sort of falling behind in, in sort of the striking exchanges. He got the, uh, he obviously got the takedown in the, in the first round, but he didn't really do much with it. Condit was doing a lot of damage off his back. Um, and, and yeah, and, and then after that, after that first round, Matt, Matt Brown looked visibly fatigued. I thought, yeah. um, and and Carlos Condit just just sort of poured it on for the re- for remaining two rounds. And I just thought, I thought, yeah, Matt Brown did have some moments, but I thought Condit was was looking very comfortable. His his long combos were were lovely. Finishing with the finishing with the head kicks and and yeah, I just thought is it, it was a um, just a vintage Carlos Condit performance, to be honest. It was great to see him. Uh, great to see him look so good. Yeah, he looked back to where the level that I think we, you know, we've all we've seen him perform at over, at various points over the over the years. But um, he looked back to that level. Uh, Danny, what did you make of this one? 
Yeah, I, I was a little worried for Condit because when we were doing our predictions, this was one of the ones that I said I thought felt that Condit would win, and, and I'll put it down to the fact that he is a little bit younger. Um, you know, Brown is now forty years old. I think he's turned now, and you know, uh, no matter how much you keep yourself in shape when you're fighting right up at the highest highest level, it's got to have some kind of effect on your game. And I think we began to see it in that second round. Now, Matt Brown's initial strategy uh, of taking the hips away from Condit, I don't think Condit's the stronger of the two. I do think Brown is the stronger physically and he locked up those hips, got the takedown. It was all looking very, very good for him. But I absolutely agree with what Jack was saying. He, maybe because of this age, you know, where you don't quite have that flair to make the most of these um, positions to do damage because you've got to always take into your fuel tank into consideration. He just lacked a little sharpness of awareness of opportunities to throw down elbows, which I think we see, we've see we seen a lot from him in the past in his younger years. He'd throw those elbows down from top position. He wasn't getting those opportunities. Now, whether that's down to Condit's jiu-jitsu capabilities or whether it was the age and Brown looking after that fuel tank that I mentioned. But certainly going into the second round, Condit started really putting his combinations together and, and striking really dangerously with hands and legs. And it looked like it took something out of Brown. And you see Brown almost doubt himself momentarily. And of course, Condit ended up getting on top in those um, other rounds when they was going onto the ground. And uh, Condit, although physically not as strong when they're both fresh, started to look the stronger of the two um, because of the issues, I think, of cardio. I just think Brown is just started to fall over the cliff physically now. And it's such a shame because he's clearly a clean athlete um, in terms of his living because to be able to do what he does do at 40 years old is still to be commended. But I really think you know his career is done, sadly. Um, but I think more sad would be see someone go beyond their years. I, I just don't want to see that. He's done fantastic things for the sport. I, um, I sometimes think that he never fulfilled the capabilities of what I think he was capable of doing. It just didn't quite happen for him. But nevertheless, it won't tarnish my thoughts of him and my love for him um, as the athlete he's been over the years. I've really enjoyed watching him and he's done some great performances, but I just hope he don't carry on too long. But again, uh, it's such a shame this fight didn't happen, say, four years ago. It was such a shame. I think that, that would have been an even a more amazing fight and maybe a fight that would have gone Matt Brown's way if it happened a few years back. But nevertheless, it did happen. It didn't disappoint. It was a great performance from both, but even more so for Condit as he got the win. Yeah, I think I think uh, Danny, as you, you're saying with um, you don't want to see guys going um, too long in their career. I, th- I think that's yeah. definitely the case for Matt Brown, but also for Carlos Condit. You know, he he um, it's, he just got that big. He just got this this big win. He um, is at the end. You know, I think that was the the end of his current UFC contract. He's a, he's a free agent now, um, and he's done. Obviously, he's been the interim champ. He's, he's fought everyone in the sport. He's he's had a, a a huge career he he still i don't think he possesses the skill set now to to fight the the top guys in in the welterweight division really yeah yeah and i, I wouldn't want to see him continue to try and do so i'd like to see these types of fights again you know the the uh the older um the older fighters maybe you know i'm not sure if they're they're you know evenly matched really but Diego Sanchez and Carlos Condit or something like that you know would be a, a good fight for Condit I wouldn't want to see him fight the elite guys anymore for that yeah do you, you know what Jack, I, I can't agree with you more um you know in my mind Condit still looks the same fighter he was a number of years ago he hasn't really evolved the skill set but you know he was clearly of the highest order a number of years ago and, you know, it's still relevant today. You know, if you, you make mistakes, he'll capitalise. Don't get me wrong. But I think 
MMA has moved on another level. And I just think he, he was like sort of like Mark three, And now we're seeing Mark four style fighters. I, I do think you're, you're exactly the same thing. Not to say his career's done. I think he's still got something left in his career, but I think it'd be better suited to say Bellator's or, or something along those lines if he really feels that it's um, within him to keep fighting. But um, I just, you know, to me, he's never going to be champion in UFC again. And I just think, what's the point of being UFC unless you've really got a chance of moving on up and having a punt at the title? He's done amazing things, had an amazing career. I just want people to protect their legacies, you know, with a dignifying end and uh, not to do what I think Anderson Silva done. I think it was shameful to see what Anderson Silva done. I, I think it was... It just was not needed. Not needed. I mean, he, and he really did do some special things, but I think it was such a... Uh, such a shame to see the kind of fizzling performances that we saw of him of late. And you can partly blame Dana White for allowing this to go on, really. He just shouldn't have let that happen. It, it was not doing anything for the sport. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you, know, I, you know, I think Dana White spoke to Donald Cerrone. I mean, another guy that's incredible and, you know, absolutely legit for anyone. If you make a mistake, he's going to capitalise. He's proved that time and time again. But he really has stuck some mileage on his clock. clock. And for the love of the people that they are, you just want to know that they're going to be able to at least enjoy retirement with no long going health issues. I mean, look, look at Jack Mason, you know, the list of injuries that he listed off. Um, you know, you just, you worry for them as people, you know, the, the fight game is for a set period of time in your life. And I think as much as you can do wonderful things in your career, technically and performance wise, I think you can all equally do as wonders with your career by knowing when to stop at the right time. Completely agree. Hundred percent. I um, and the fact is, like, if Carlos Condit decides that he wants to stay in the UFC and he resigns another contract, he, as a fighter, he's going to want to take on the top fighters because he he will obviously by signing that contract still believe that he can do it. Um, and I think we all agree that when he comes to fight the, the younger, the, the, the fisher, the, the, the very top athletes in that division, he's going to struggle. Um, mm. But it's natural that if, you know, if he's got fights on his, uh, on his contract, he's going to want to fight those guys. That's like a mm. natural fighter's instinct, isn't it? So, yeah, I, um, it'd be nice to see him retire on a high, you know? Um, but Bellator will probably sign him there, let's be honest. Mm. Um, okay, uh, then we had the main event, which was uh, not close. Uh, I can't remember seeing a card. Uh, I was trying to wrap my brains, and my memory's not the best. I was trying to wrap my brains to, to remember a card which ended 50-43, 50-43, 50-42, like with that big a gap. Um, yeah. It was absolutely sensational. One of the best uh, individual performances I've ever seen in MMA or boxing. It was sensational. I really haven't got enough words in my vocabulary to describe just how good it was. All I could say to people who are watching or listening is if you're a fight fan and you haven't seen this fight, go and watch it because what Max Holloway did last night was just truly special. It was a special individual sporting performance um, and I think whatever sport you're into, these are the type of performances which we all love to see from whether it's a team or an individual, whatever it may be. Um, Danny, how special was this from Max Holloway? Yeah, um, 
super special when you think how good Qatar is. I mean, you, you know, over the last few you weeks, I was saying, yeah, absolutely. I, I just felt that uh-huh. striking-wise, uh, Qatar was the more powerful hitter. I think he was someone who's going to take cent- the centre of the, the cage uh, and dominate, just dominate the exchanges because he had the, the weight and power. But Holloway um, completely proved me wrong. Um, now, whether this is because Holloway's made incrementally improvement uh, improvements to his game or stylistically just suited well, you remember he's given away three inches in reach and they were matched each other in height at 5'11". But the fact that he was throwing so loose probably took up that, that extra deficit of three inches. Uh, and Whereas Qatar, although he punches quite deep with his punches, is a little bit more muscularly set on the shoulders. Uh, but the fact that Holloway was punching loose to make up for that extra little bit of reach deficit that he was giving away was making him land first and, and, and land longer. It, it was just beautiful. It was the work rate. The work rate was incredible. And do you see those body shots? I mean, um, you know, uh, Jack Mason, I appreciate how difficult it is to pull off some sexy body shots. He was pulling them off sometimes two and three times in a combination. I mean, it's absolutely well. I do actually think, though, I, I think it was in round three, uh, that Max Holloway completely opened up on Qatar and um, Qatar was completely wobbled on his feet. I do think that that should have been stopped at that point. Um, I think the referee should have stepped in. Now, I know Qatar was still in, uh, defending intelligently, which may have you know, you know, saved his you know, self from um, having that fight stopped. But all it did do is make Holloway break more records with the amount that he threw and landed. Um, it was absolutely... Uh, shocking, uh, shocking. Um, I just didn't think he was capable of doing it. So more than anything else, just to think about it, he'd done it up against someone who's a true, true top-tier, you know, world-class striker. He's really, really good striker, Qatar. Um, you know, it's been, he's pure bread and butter, but Holloway never once considered to clinch up and have to take it to the ground to change the uh, result of the fight. He, he just had it on the feet from the get-go. Um yeah, just you know, what can you? What else can you say about it, really? But you know, just to point out the thing, other than the work rate and obviously the clear, amazing performance was was how beautiful those body shots was. And you're seeing this more and more in UFC. Clearly, these guys are latching on to some incredible strike coaches, and, and uh, everyone's picking out the weakness in in the body now. Just like we saw with the shin kicks that got brought into fashion a couple of years ago. You, you know, people are now defending that a little bit better these days. Um, but what you are seeing now is people crunching these body shots to the liver. Um, they're beautiful and not easy to pull off. It's something that I've always wanted to be able to do in training and in my fight career, but I never really attain, attained that level of boxing skill to be able to pull them off on someone else that's world-class. Really impressive. What more can I say? Um, it's not the first time he's done it as well, because it took me back to what he did to Brian Ortega. Um, and he yeah. broke a load of records with the amount of strikes that he hit. And it was yeah. just... He reminded me of um, Nate Diaz versus Cowboy. Do you remember that? When he completely just outboxed him. I think he may have broke records at the time. But that's the kind of thing it reminded me of. Obviously, Cowboy's a no slouch as a striker himself. But he got totally showing up with the boxing. And likewise for Qatar this time around, got really showing up. I think um, Max, Max Holloway... I was gonna, sorry, I was going to say Max Holloway was, um, was... You could see at the end of... I think, I think it was the fifth round... When he shouted out to the uh, to the commentators, you know, yeah, like, I'm the best. I'm the best boxer in the in the yeah, division. Yeah, all of the, all of the build up to the fight, they were talking about Qatar's boxing, and and obviously, I think uh, Max had taken that, you know, taken that to heart and wanted to go out and prove a point, and he did, didn't he? He um, he 
I, I really loved his strategy, the way he um, the way he, he picked Qatar apart. You know, he he, he was using that oblique kick because Qatar's yeah. you know, I, I feel like Qatar's most dangerous when he's coming forward and and he and he's, he's got a lovely one two. You know, when when you're on the end of that one two, that that lovely long one two, it's it's you know, it's a, it's an excellent combination for him, and he just took that match just took that away from him. You know, stopping him marching forward by 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 using those oblique kicks, and they kept him on the back foot all the time with the body shots and the, the really high volume, and just just gave Qatar no no chance. Um, yeah, and I what I was a bit you know whilst the um, Max's Max's game plan was 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 you know exactly what was required to beat Qatar, and his execution was 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 perfect. Um, I, w- I was a bit puzzled as to why Qatar didn't try and change something because he didn't. He yeah. didn't. You know, he just tried to do the same thing. It's his corner. His corner team were just saying more right hands, more right hands, and you know, he he really needed to to change his strategy because it just wasn't working, was it? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, he he didn't switch up in between any of the rounds, and you would think once you're falling three rounds behind, you have to change something up to try yeah. to take back the fight. But he didn't. He just fell into a pattern, and and the cornermen were were going with that pattern that was clearly losing each time. Um, another mistake that I noticed Qatar was making was that sometimes he was blocking and shelling up with both hands, and there were other times he was blocking with his lead but extending his rear arm. He started trying to push away the shots, which is like a, almost a, a habit of beginners, you know, when people try to push the strikes away. And that just opened him up to more combinations with the left hook and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, switching up, I, I just wonder whether he's actually got the capabilities to switch it up. We see a couple of qu- clinches for him, but no real valid technical attempts to take it to the ground or to smother him against the fence, maybe. I would s- suggest that Qatar is physically slightly stronger than... Um, than uh, Holloway physically with the upper body. And maybe he could have done something in the clinch, maybe pin him up against the fence and take away some of that rhythm, maybe make, you know, to change the pace and put some blood into those arms, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, he's got things to learn from from there. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask the both of you, actually, like, what, what, could he, what could he have done to just change the momentum of the fight? Because it was just going one way. It was brutal. He was taking damage. His nose was broken. Um you mentioned Danny that you thought the fight should have been stopped at a certain point. I think it was the fourth. Yeah, I f- I he was he wobbled on the feet. Especially because of the amount of damage he had taken on top of the fact that he had been wobbled. But, I, you know, I do get, like, why it wasn't stopped or so. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting but, uh, one, but... Matt absolutely, Holloway, but... It- uh, what a character Holloway is, though. I mean, he's making a habit, isn't he, of talking to the commentators. Um, I, I did this in his other fight. Um, I think he's hearing what they're saying because although there was a crowd there, there was not crowd enough clearly for him not to hear what they were saying. And you know, but that just goes to show how relaxed he was in there because you know Jack will definitely know about this. Sometimes you almost go deaf when you're under pressure and your adrenaline's rushing, sort of like. You, you know, you're so absorbed into what's happening and, and just reacting. But it goes to show you how relaxed he was. He was able to hear and confer with the commentators. I mean, it's to behold. It really, really was. Um, when, yeah. he, um, when he when he was speaking to the commentators and he, he was looking at the commentators and then Qatar walked forward and he hit him with the, the, the backhand. He's just <laughs> unreal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's craziness, craziness. But this is becoming a habit of his, but well, one that brings... Um, a little smile to my face, so it's cheeky. <laughs> yeah, yeah 100%. I, uh, he's got to be back in there for a title fight after that, surely. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, Jack, what, what I was going to ask you, you know, do you see that second fight with him? I mean, you're bound to have. Um, do you remember the fight well where he fought um, Volkanovski uh, for the second yeah. time? Did you? I felt that Holloway did enough to win that. Yeah, I thought I thought he did as well. I think he was a little bit robbed. So, you know, some people, uh, you know, when I talk to people in the club, say, oh, he's not, you know, maybe lost his rhythm a little bit. I'm like, hey, you know what? Not actually so. I don't think so. I thought he won his fight with uh, Volkanovski last time out. But, you know, decision went against him. I think he was a little surprised it went against him as well, um, from what I remember of his comments after the fight. But, yeah, I, performing like that and how he did previously, I think he can take this title back. I really do. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and with his, um, with his, his fan base and, the you know, the people... I think momentum behind him now. I think they've got to give him that title shot again. Yeah, agreed. No question. No question at all. So um, that wraps us up for the UFC for last night. Um, I really enjoyed having the UFC back. Um, I've missed it over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and what a card. What a, it was so entertaining to watch. So entertaining. You know, lots of finishes and stuff. Some great fights. And we finally got Carlos Conjure. Yeah. Uh, to, to, just before we finish up, did anyone see um, uh, that Taffer and uh, Felipe? Did anyone yeah. see that fight? Oh man, I I, I had to watch that one because I know they're both, you know, not your typical stereotype physical-looking fighters. They're yeah. um, you know, they're soft-bodied characters, but my God, they've got power and they love to trade shots. And um, that was a brilliant fight. I actually felt, felt that Taffer won it. Um, I thought he won that first round, lost the second round, but I thought he'd done enough with the takedown attempt and pushing uh, Felipe up against the fence. I thought that he did enough to snip it, but it went against him, unfortunately. But what a great fight that was. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I tweeted about that. I was I was really impressed with that fight. And the, uh, Justin Taffer looks, obviously, he's a mentor with Mark Hunt as well, but he looks like him as well, doesn't he? He absolutely um, does. Yeah. Just looks like a, a young version of him and um, fights like him as well. And it, yeah, that that was a un- unbelievable fight, and the sound of the those shots landing. Oh, was, uh, they got they yeah. those boys had power, proper power, yeah. and um, I love watching both of them fight. Um, yeah. That that's one I'd like to watch a second time round if it yeah. ever happens, which you know inevitably it will do. I think at some point, but they're they're great fighters, great fighters. Oh yes. Uh, quickly, just to finish us off, let's do our predictions for uh, for Wednesday for some of the fights. Um, we won't go through all of them. I'll just pick a couple out. So we got uh, the UFC fight night. Uh, where are we? So we'll go with uh, Mike Davis versus Mason Jones. Danny, who's going to win? Oh, Mason Jones. Yeah, I think so. Uh, what about you, Jack? You, yeah, Mason. Yeah, the Mason as well, yeah. I think that was a bit predictable from all of us. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the main event of uh, Wednesdays is a real interesting one. You've got... Uh, what was it? It's, um, I forgot his name. Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa. Um, who's going to win that one, Danny? Because that is a, a very. I'm going to go Magny on this one, okay. but it's, it's the, this is now so tricky. But I'm going to go Neil Magny. Okay, and Jack. Yeah, Magny. I was really impressed with his last performance. Yeah, likewise. I was going to say that he was, uh, his last fight, he was exceptional. Um, yeah. I thought he was very good. Uh, let's have a look at the other fights. Is there anyone else I would like to see? Uh, oh, I would like to know who you think is going to win out of uh, Matt Schnell and Tyson Nam. Danny? Uh, Schnell, probably. 
What about, uh, what about you, uh, Jack? I, I don't know who either of those two are. I, sorry. No, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 I don't think it's, I don't know, I just can't, I can't see him quite doing this one. I, I like Tyson Nam, I like watching him fight, but, um, Nam's ranked 13, Schnell's ranked yeah. 9, but, um, I really enjoy watching both of them fight, and yeah. I'm looking forward to that one, it looks like it's going to yeah, be good. open the card be good. as well, so that'll be a, a nice way to open the card Wednesday, and then of course next week we have uh, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor, to finish us off, in one word, who is going to win between McGregor and Poirier, Jack? McGregor. Uh, any pick? Uh, KO, yeah? KO. Yeah, I'm going to say KO, and I think it's going to happen in the second round. I'm going for a quick uh, 60 seconds. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me, man. wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, look, I just think Conor McGregor looks so focused at the moment. Um, just everything I've seen of him, the Cerrone fight as well. He looks... Look, remember when he was coming up through the UFC? Where he's, it was just his focus and his belief in what he was doing. He was just mm. like leaving bodies behind him almost for me. And I just, I feel like he's got that same mentality at the moment. Yeah. But we'll see. See if he's, you know, he's a bit older. Poirier's a lot better fighter than he was the first time round. So it'd be very interesting to, uh, to see how they get along. Um, yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, we might uh, we might have a live show on Wednesday straight after the UFC card. Uh, so st- if you check out the Facebook page or the Twitter page uh, of the Ace Podcast Station or the Danny Brown Fight Show, we'll let you know about that. Um, but we'll, we'll be definitely back next week to talk in the Conor McGregor and Poirier fight, uh, among others, when we'll be joined by uh, Cage Warriors flyweight champion Jake Hadley. Because uh, I got the weeks mixed up, and I think last week I said uh, that Jake was on this week, but it wasn't. It was Jack and then Jake. But that's uh, that's my memory for you. Uh, but yeah, Jake Hagley next week. Jack, the Stone Mason, thank you very much for joining us, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, Jack. You know, I've seen you obviously a lot over the years at fight shows, and you know, we always bit under pressure of or with me having fighters on you having fighters on or you fighting yeah, yeah. yourself but um it, it you know it's been a long time coming to be able to chat with you and it's been an utter pleasure um yeah, I, I hope you know it, it, if you get the chance to come on again later in the year it'd be great to have you on again it was really nice listening to your um analyzing a breakdown of the fights thanks a lot danny really appreciate it no worries Jack. i couldn't couldn't agree more um, guys, subscribe youtube.com slash ace podcast nation. You can follow the show at Danny Button FS on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow Ace Podcast Nation on all social media. We've got lots of other shows, uh, audio and video versions with top guests, expert analysts, and more. So check us out. Come say hello, send questions, whatever you like. But uh, we'll be back next week. And until then, we bid you farewell.
You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.